We've all been there. You're standing in a museum, staring at a painting, and all you can think is, I don't get it. To me, knowing the story behind an artwork is a huge part of knowing how to look at it. I'm Amanda, the host of the Art of History podcast, where we view history through the lens of some really great works of art. Each episode, we dive deep into the bigger picture behind some familiar and maybe not so familiar pieces. Check out Art of History now wherever you get your podcasts. Soundington Media! Welcome to a new edition of Reaching Out from Reach, a space podcast for kids. Reaching Out gives us the chance to answer space-related questions from kids around the world. After last summer's heat waves, a lot of our listeners have been asking about global warming. If you thought summer 2021 was hotter than ever, then you would be correct. For many of us, it was. The continental United States and many locations around the world tied or broke heat records last summer. NASA and NOAA The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration just released the latest global temperature update for 2021. And here to tell us where 2021 fell in the record books is Dr. Stephen Pawson, NASA Chief of the Global Modeling and Assimilation Office. Dr. Pawson, thank you for joining us on REACH. It's my pleasure to be here today. Glad to meet you. NASA and NOAA have just released the global temperature data for 2021. Where does it rank for hottest years on record? So 2021, I think, is about the sixth hottest year that's ever been recorded in the last 150 years. So if you think about it that way, like uh, over the last decade, the time when, you know, people of the age of 9 to 13 have been alive, these are the hottest years that have ever been experienced on Earth. So much warmer than when your parents were your age and especially much warmer when your grandparents were this age as well. And that means that you're really looking at... uh, a world that's warming and uh, things are different from how they used to be many years ago. Last year, we saw quite a few disasters and extreme events from droughts, fires, hurricanes. How do these changing global temperatures impact those extremes? So, so for instance, if we take hurricanes, we know that these happen anyway. You know, they've been on record for many, many years um, and they have severe impacts on the communities that they pass, either through the winds and very often through the flooding caused by the rain or the tides that they induce. What we know with global warming is that as the ocean surfaces heat, it's much easier for water to evaporate into the atmosphere, and that fuels these big, powerful storms. And so essentially, by having a warmer world, we're likely to have more strong hurricanes, um, maybe stronger winds, but especially a lot more rainfall. And we've seen over the past year, we've seen in the, in, in, I think in Houston, in, in the Gulf of Mexico areas, and on the east coast of the US, we've seen much more severe flooding over the past few years than we're typically used to. And so those are, you know, those are very catastrophic events for the local communities, causing a lot of destruction and uh, loss of life as well. Another good example is how there was a major heat wave in the Northwest US and Canada this past year. And that uh, really, again, it, it was a very strong event, a record strength, the hottest temperatures ever recorded in certain regions. And this it's also led to um, lots of extra deaths among humans and eventually led to severe droughts and fires as well in Canada and the Northwest. There are many strong and complex interactions between the weather patterns and the climate patterns, but typically 
bad weather seems to be getting worse as climate is changing. How else do changes to Earth's global temperature impact us? So, so um, changes to temperature mean that, you know, in, in um, the high latitudes, for instance, in the Arctic Ocean area, um, we're seeing, you know, much stronger warming than um, elsewhere. And that what, what, what does warmth do in the polar regions? That means that ice is melt, going to melt more than it used to. So we're seeing faster melting of the glaciers over Greenland. That puts more water into the oceans. And that in turn causes sea level to rise more quickly is one example. Also, you know, things that affect humans, it's going to be how well harvests are affected. Are we able to grow food? If the drought gets too strong, then there's not enough water there to, to keep our crops sort of um, irrigated. If it's too rainy, then we probably don't get enough sunshine for things to grow as they used to. So there are, you know, there are very many complex and intricate method mechanisms going on that affect how climate affects our lives. NASA recently launched Landsat 9 and is working with NOAA to launch its GOAST satellite this year. How do NOAA and NASA satellites help us understand our climate and weather? Yeah. It, it, so if you think about it, if, you, if you're standing you know, in your hometown, you can take a thermometer and you can measure the temperature at the surface of Earth. But that's the one place. And so if many people go and do that, that you get a good a good. Uh, a good set of measurements that you can start using for understanding weather and climate. But what satellites do is basically by orbiting around the Earth, they're able to give us a global picture. You know, every single day, each satellite will give us a global picture of what's happening. And from space, we're able to measure temperature and moisture in the atmosphere and um, assess over time how that's increasing. And we can see regionally how that's, um, you know, affecting us. And we're going to be able to make, you know, weather forecasts there. Um, but the main thing for the climate, of course, is understand how it's changing over time. And um, NOAA has a set of satellites that monitor the Earth by looking constantly over many, many years. NASA typically have research satellites. So we're starting to develop um, instrumentation to fly in space that starts looking at individual processes from space. And by that, we get an understanding of how, say, the water circle circulates through clouds and it's related to the ocean. We get an understanding of how carbon dioxide is building up in the atmosphere and, you know, where it's coming from, how it's being moved around, and ultimately, is it being taken out of the atmosphere as well? So from space, you basically see a global picture of many, many different processes, um, strongly related to our improved technology over recent years. And, that, and you know, it's a very exciting kind of time to, to be living with, be working in NASA and uh, seeing these new technologies take fruit and uh, give us new types of information. And what do you do in your role as the NASA Chief of Global Modeling and Assimilation Office? Well, yes, I mean, you know, you can probably tell from my accent that I'm, I, I'm originally from England. And I've actually, I was lucky enough to live in Germany for 10 years. And now I've been in the U.S. for about 25 years. So I've had a, you know, a long, a long, longish career doing very many exciting things to do with the atmosphere and Earth. I started off looking at stratospheric ozone and how that's changing and how it's uh, interacting with climate. And over more recent years, I started looking a lot more at, at, at the weather and how carbon dioxide and atmospheric pollution that affects the air we breathe are affected by, you know, by the weather patterns and by how much we're emitting. And uh, we've got some great satellites in space that tell us about that. Um, and so, you know, some of the exciting things we do are looking at how well we can use that information to help us make better forecasts of how the um, weather is going to change in five days and how the quality of the air you're breathing is 
going to change over the next few days. And then looking further ahead, like predicting things out for many months, like the ocean and the atmosphere, how they're interacting and whether, you know, whether we're likely to get an extremely cold winter or an extremely hot summer um, over the, the next years. And I'm, you know, I'm very, very lucky. I work with a lot of very, very enthusiastic and intelligent people to to be able to do that um, using big computing facilities that we have at NASA alongside our observations. Thank you, Dr. Stephen Pawson, NASA Chief of the Global Modeling and Dissimilation Office, for sharing your expertise. Got a question about space? Let us know. Get your parents' permission and give us a call at 312-248-3402. Then leave us a message with your first name, where you're from, and your question for a chance to be featured in an upcoming episode. We can also accept your questions via email. Just send us your first name, where you're from, and what question you'd like answered to reachthepodcast at gmail.com. That's it for this week on Reaching Out. We're your hosts, Brian Holden and Meredith Stepien. Reach is produced by Nate DeFort and Sandy Marshall and edited by Nate DeFort. Our theme song and additional music was composed by Jesse Case. Our logo was created by Stephen Lyons. Reach is a production of Soundsington Media, committed to making quality programming for young audiences and the young at heart. For information on our shows and the people behind them, go to soundsingtonmedia.com. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now.